This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be legends. Gonna get their attention. Morning. Um, very, very happy to be here. Uh, really enjoyed the opening monologue. Uh, in, in the context of today's morning, I uh, tweeted just now, it's been interesting over the last 72 hours, whether in a Wall Street Journal interview or a business meeting, now a conference, and a lot of uh, one-on-one meetings, I've heard the same thing about 11 or 12 times, and it struck me finally this last time on stage, which is how many people keep saying the word or the sentence, it's changing, it's changing. I think anybody here this morning that hasn't fully quantified how much has actually changed. This has changed. I, I think there is an unbelievable disconnect between the framework and strategy of how we are running our businesses, whether a B2B or B2C environment, on us calibrating, is it changing or has it changed? And more importantly, the practicality of the timing. I spend very little time on the impact of self-driving cars in a micro, in a 24 or 36 month window, but I try to understand and quantify them in a macro. And I think the thing that I've spent, and I'm a, and I'm a real hardcore, purebred entrepreneur, just to give you guys context on the cross lines here. I was born in the Soviet Union, came to the US, lived in a studio apartment half the size of this stage with eight family members, very old school merchant upbringing. My dad got a job as a stock boy in a liquor store and we saved all our dollars. I was super an enigma. All the uh, Russian Jews that immigrated were straight A students. I was a straight DNF student. Um, <laughs> You know, and it's really interesting, I'm, I'm, a, I'm extremely bitter now because I was making three to $4,000 a weekend when I was 12 selling baseball cards because that was the cultural phenomenon, but I was a loser because I was getting Ds and Fs because it was the late 80s, early 90s, and the only ROI was the college you were going to. If I was making $4,000 a weekend selling baseball cards today, I would be the next Mark Zuckerberg and on covers of magazines. And so, you know, I'm very fascinated by trends, by things that happen, but I think the thing that has really worked for me is I didn't realize, probably until the last decade, you know, I take a lot of pride when I was an early investor, long two, three, four years pre-IPO or acquisition on things like Twitter and Facebook and Venmo and Uber. I'm not in the luck business, I'm in the marathon running business, and more importantly, I'm in the timing business. I'm so deeply actually consumer-centric that I don't have any other gear. The only thing I ever do is try to reverse engineer the attention of my end consumer, whether in a B2C or B2B environment, and I try to understand things like, it it blows my mind how many people here feel comfortable because they have long-term contracts and relationships with some of the biggest companies in the world without realizing that those companies themselves are so disproportionately vulnerable and, and I just, I, you know, I, I play with this, right? I play with the fact that $80 billion is spent on television commercials on the Fortune 500 CPG brand side, yet 94% of them lost market share because not a human being on earth watches a television commercial. None. I, and, and by the way, can we all agree this is not a 14-year-old girl crowd, right? We are a little bit older here, but not old. We, everybody here has got plenty of time. How many people, actually, you know what? Let me frame up my entire talk here. Before I go any further, how many people in this room are retiring within the next 10 years, not because you're gonna crush it and cash out, but because you're actually just old? (laughs) Just raise your hands. Okay, 
All right, so for the 13 of you, I think there's a level of grain of salt that we could take going forward, but for the rest of you, I wanna tell you something that I really wanna get across as a framework to the strategy of why this conversation is disproportionately important and how, you know, and I work with companies like SAP and GE and, and a bunch of food service companies, so I have a real sense of context in this room. I wanna leave you with disproportionate practicality of why I think you need to look at your marketing spend or more importantly, why you need to start debating a marketing spend because if you are a sales-driven organization in a B2B environment, you are disproportionately vulnerable, so we need to talk about that. But before I get into that, here's why I asked that 10-year question. Literally nothing we talk about, or way more importantly, literally nothing that controls the attention of our end consumer existed 13 years ago. We need to take a big step back in this room and understand what we are talking about is not social media or Snapchat. What we are talking about is the maturity of the internet itself, what that means to the human race, and everybody in this room, including me, is so disproportionately misunderstanding how substantial this shift is and what happens over the course of the next decade. The internet is the middleman, period and it's maybe just not your turn. It was the bookstore's turn first. It was some guy or gal that owned 13 medallions in taxis in this city, second or third. It is the hotel rooms and the supply and demand of that world's turn today. It is the media companies across the board's turn right now, and it may be your business next. Walmart's not gonna give you the contract. Walmart's gonna have to do it itself. They're gonna, be, they're gonna buy dairy farms. They're gonna grow the grain. Everything gets shrunk. And so we have to take a real step back and understand that there is only one thing, one, there's one thing that will keep you from being a commodity, your brand. The only thing that will keep you away from being completely commoditized is your brand. Can you create an environment where somebody actually makes an emotional decision or a subconscious decision, not a practical one? Because if you're in the middle and people are gonna make practical decisions, there's an enormous amount of vulnerability in the system. We are completely and utterly controlled by this device, whether you like it or not. Please, my friends, do not make business decisions because of your personal romantic point of view of technology. The amount of people here that will dictate their businesses to failure because of their points of view of when they go out, they find it sad that people look at their phones instead of talk to each other is staggering to me. And so look, this is real disruption. This isn't ha ha. This is over the course of the next decade, 90, 80, 70% of the biggest companies in multiple sectors will not only decline, but completely diminish and completely vanish. You know, I look at the fashion industry. It's just so fascinating. Literally, they're all out of business. The math is just not gonna work. Every day, there are brands that go from zero to $15 million in sales on the back of influencers on Instagram with no overhead or infrastructure at scale. And the cut of those thousand cuts is staggering. And this all is on top of, you can talk, like this room can talk about food trends and the behavior of the end of the consumer, that's absolutely right, that's fine. That is minor leagues compared to the fundamental human shifts we're going through. Did anybody see the robot that went viral on the internet the other day? This like robot that was doing like twists and turns. How many people, just raise your hands, I'm curious. Did you see what Elon Musk said about it? 
which was, so there's this world, we have to find this, I don't have a lot of data on this, you know, it's in the feed, you know, in the headline reading society, I don't like to talk about things I don't know, here's what I know, a robot that scared the crap out of me was in my feed, right? Just doing stuff that makes LeBron look like me, right? Elon Musk decides to take that, somebody more educated in robotics than I am, and said something very clever, and I know enough about how he communicates, where he's like, you think this is cute? In 24 or 36, I don't remember the timing. Very shortly, you won't even be able to see this robot without technology, that it will be so fast that the human eye can't even see it. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because it's a proxy. It's a proxy to the following. Everybody in this room needs to realize that we are about to run an incredibly fascinating business marathon and most of you aren't even on the treadmill yet. And let me explain. The treadmill to me is how you spend your money on marketing and sales. The one place that you could leave here today, walk out the door, fly home, and do something about what I'm talking about is how you spend money to get revenue in. I am fascinated by people in the B2B space to think it's ROI positive to buy booths and full page ads in B2B magazines in 2018 and not understand how Facebook advertising works to become a top of the funnel conversion sales funnel for their business. I am fascinated, I am fascinated that a room like this with as many successful people as sit in these chairs have unbelievable opinions of Facebook advertising without ever running a Facebook ad in their lives. You have a whole lot of opinions based on stock prices or a headline you read or what the Wall Street Journal wrote on the issue nine months ago, yet you lack practitionership to understand exactly what's happening here. And we are living through the great divide right now, my friends, of the headline readers and the practitioners when it comes to running businesses. And by the way, that last line, society. All these confusions of how things are changing is the deep either lack of interest to look at it because it's so heady that it's so scary to understand how big of a shift this is, or the naivete, or worst of all, the audacity. Every business that is CFO driven, short term 90 day driven, financial arbitrage machines are on call because they haven't quantified that the ground that they're standing on has changed and that's been a stable ground in consumer behavior. Look, consumer behavior is super interesting for the last 70 years. What, what we don't quantify is that for the last 70 years, the propaganda that made you make business decisions stayed the same. It was print, television, radio, direct mail. It was basic. The internet is such a harder place to navigate. And what's interesting, and let me take a step back, to frame up what my passion is, my opening rant sits on, I only have one move. How many people here by show of hands are familiar with Mariano Rivera, the New York Yankees pitcher that pitched for 20 years? I'm just curious, because I want to use the analogy. Okay, good enough, I'll use it. 20 years, closer for the Yankees, goes down as one of the great all-time players of all time. The guy had one pitch. He had others for the baseball nerds in here, but the fact of the matter is he had one pitch and nobody could hit it. Edgar Martinez from the Mariners could hit it. Nobody could hit it for 20 years. And that's what I have. I suck at most things, but I will buy the New York Jets and win seven Super Bowls, which will cost me billions of dollars because I have one pitch and it is one I'm trying to shove down the throat of this room, which is I day trade attention and you better start understanding what I mean by that. I day trade attention. 
No matter what you do in this room, for the people presenting, to the most senior executive here, whether you have a side business when you go home that you're passionate about, which is selling jelly direct to consumer on Amazon, I don't know you, and I don't know what you're up to, but let me promise you, the one thing that I can talk about that connects everybody here and will bring value to everybody is before you tell me how good your thing is, you need my attention. Many rely on historic natures of the business, the sales funnel, the B2B nature, the contracts, the way it's been. Others, 25% of this room, probably spend their time thinking about the consumer. How many people here actually are in B2C businesses? Raise your hands, just curious. Just hire if you don't mind, because I want to navigate my talk, thank you. B2B, rest, okay. I'm fascinated, let me, let me go very tactical on you because I really want to go to Q&A, so I want to set up as much framework, but I'm gonna go a little tactical, maybe I'll spur a question. I'm watching SaaS companies that have a million dollars in funding, you know, create disproportionate wealth by running Facebook ads against the employees of segmentation. I believe that a lot of people in this room don't understand that their company can run ads against the employees of an organization they're trying to do business with. That ad may say, does your head buyer know? Does your CIO know? Does your CFO know? The fact that I can run ads that cost me $4 CPMs that are actually being consumed, and that the creative of the video, or the presentation, or the white paper, or the paragraph, or the image with words on it, starts with copy in the post that says, does your blank within your organization know? Which then leads to between 1.3% and 4% of people forwarding it to that person, whether janitor or C-suite co-worker. To then convert in top of funnel is something I've never seen in B2B in the 20 years of being a practitioner in marketing, both traditional and direct mail and radio and television and outdoor and digital. My passion sits here today because I know that Facebook is the disproportionate arbitrage for this room and I also am empathetic to know why nobody would believe that in a B2B environment in this room but it doesn't make it any less true and because building my dad's business from a three to a 60 million dollar business, which was a liquor store in New Jersey, over a five-year window with no dollars at all, no cash infusion, no VC, was very difficult, but the only reason I pulled it off is because I day-traded attention. In 1996, I started an email newsletter when nobody was doing that, and I had 91% open rates for the first four years of my career, which is unheard of, and then Google came out, and I bought wine terms on Google for five cents a click from the word wine to the word silver oak. And when I hear, and it wasn't in the bio here, but a lot of times they're like, and he took his business from three to 60 million, I cringe in the corner before I come on because I say to myself, it should have been 250. And the reason it should have been 250 was because I was one of the first advertisers on Google AdWords because I was on there the day it came out. It was so grossly underpriced attention, but I was too young to understand that it was so big that it was a once in a lifetime, a twice in a lifetime, maybe a three times in a lifetime in my 60 year career arbitrage to build wealth on such underpriced attention. I stand here with this energy because I have a chip on my shoulder because I'm mad that I didn't understand it and that I spent money on direct mail and print and radio and sales and many other things. How many people here play poker? Raise your hands. Thank you. When you have the best hand, you go all in. I had it and I didn't. The best hand as I stand here today, and I could care less if it's not tomorrow because I day trade, is Facebook. And you have to. 
at a bare minimum, understand how to start spending money in that world, not because it's gonna be so disproportionately ROI positive for your business, though I think any dollar spent there, if you actually know how to do it, will be better than what you spend anywhere else. It's because you need to start at the top, creating a cadence to understand how to market and sell in the new environment that we live in. There is no way that you will be an organization that has success in machine learning and AI and any other things that are gonna happen from 2020 to 2030 if you don't understand how to communicate in the mobile first environment that is today. You will not have the taste or understanding and to be very frank, some won't even get there. And so it's a very fascinating time and the stakes are extremely high. I, you know, when I look at the, the businesses in this room from afar, when I look at the current marketplace, I get enormous passion because it's so avoidable. But the problem is, even the three people in this room that are inspired and are actually gonna do something about this will outsource it and not become the practitioners themselves, which will then create the vulnerability because 95% of the execution of the thesis that I just talked about right here is garbage and is being done in the best interest of the partner, not necessarily your organization. We live in a very tricky world. In my thesis of day trading attention, the Super Bowl is the number one underpriced asset. Here I am talking about digital and crap like machine learning and even for B2B companies, I think the best thing you could spend money on is the Super Bowl in North America because you know every single American will know what you have to say if you actually execute that 30 second spot properly. It's 100% penetration. It's underpriced at $7 million a pop. Meanwhile, a lot of you spend money on digital, may spend money on digital, most likely not because I was digging a lot of sales driven. We'll get into that in a minute. And I believe that programmatic digital buying is the most garbage overpriced marketing in the marketplace. That nobody in this room, just like they don't consume a commercial, ever goes to a website and carefully consumes a banner ad below the fold and then clicks that banner and gets into the funnel. Yet billions of dollars being poured into that environment. And so, What's tricky about it is in a keynote environment like this, I can only go top line. In reality, there's so much depth underneath this thesis in the practitionership. But what is most important is understanding what happens with the next chapter of companies that own the attention. Amazon and Google and Facebook and Apple are not kidding around. They're building a layer on top of the internet itself the internet is where we live our lives. This is now secondary, whether you like it or not, by the allocation of attention time. It just is. This is secondary. And it's gonna get extreme in a VR world, and for a lot of us, we will never see it, but you think this is intense? You think it's bad kids are on iPads during dinner? Kids are gonna live in pods in San Diego and be in the internet 20 hours a day. We will see that 20, 30, 40 years once VR, VR is the only potential technology at this point that can arbitrage the internet out itself. The majority of this room, and I'm looking at the faces and the ages, will wear contact lenses that mix them between real life, AR, right, like Santa Claus is giving me the keynote with me right now, or VR, you're just literally in a different place right now. And so this phone that seems so intense and like you can't live without it, this is a pager. Remember those pagers? 
This crew remembers the pager. As a matter of fact, do you know there are people in this room who said they would never get a mobile device because their pager was good enough, and if they needed to get a hold of you, I'll get back to you when I can get back to you? So another thing I want to talk about, because I think it might, it, I'm going to go very high level, but I do think for this kind of room, some people will understand this. This is what I'm spending all my time on. This is why I believe that the Alexa and the Google Home and the Apple Pod are the next arbitrage, and I think a lot of you should think about this, and this is where salespeople can become disproportionately trained or arbitraged out completely. Let's talk about it. At the top of the framework, the reason I invested in Uber years ago was not because I thought they sold transportation, it was because they sold you back time. Every person here besides health, wealth, and religion and their family put time in the pedestal of the things that matter to them the most. You do it every day. You give up privacy, you spend tons of money to arbitrage time. Uber doesn't sell transportation, Uber sells the perception of time. The thing that will sell the most time back to us over the next decade will be voice devices that are smart. I buy toothpaste now in my bathroom in one second through Alexa. I don't make a note, I don't grab my phone and buy it on Amazon, I say Alexa order me toothpaste, she says sure, I say buy this and the transaction is done. How many of you have an Amazon Echo or Dot or a Google Home device in your homes? Raise your hands. Great. Most people are using it for music, which is nice. But where this device is going is staggering and the potential is enormous. I saw a startup the other day, for example, that I'm probably gonna invest in, that you say, Alexa, I'm reading the book. You tell them the book, you know, Jack and Jill. You start reading the book to your child and as you're reading, the Alexa is doing a surround sound narrative along with you. In unison, you say, and then it started raining and the whole room sounds like it's raining. There will be not a child on earth in seven years that will accept a book read to them without 360 supported sound. (laughs) More importantly, the things that you will do in your car when you travel, when you think of it, to use a voice device to get it done, reorder your product, the smartification, when an IOT device, when technology is in our food and it's reordering itself for you. Every person here is going to have a smart refrigerator in a decade that reorders the products in your refrigerator for you. Amazon's vulnerability is no retailer that has physical locations. I don't care what M&A activity Walmart has. Amazon's vulnerability is the smart home that reorders products for you without you doing it for them. Toll Brothers is a bigger competitor to Amazon if when you buy a new home, it is stocked with products that just keep reordering themselves for you. When you go into that kitchen cabin for the first time and the toothpaste and deodorant is picked for you because it's free and it just reorders itself when it's being used up, when your Crest toothpaste understands you've got one goddamn squeeze left and it reorders itself for you and it comes just as you're squeezing it out, you'll start understanding what I mean and every person in this room will see it. My friends, please do me one favor and this is the advantage you have over the 25-year-old that gets it. You underestimated the internet 13 years ago. Please take your mental place back to where it was. Remind yourself of the embarrassment statements that you made like the internet itself is a fad 15 years ago, that Facebook was a fad and you would never be on it, that you would never send an emoji. Please, please understand that I only have one pitch and here it is. I know what you're gonna do before you do because we like to say no before we say yes, but we have no choice. Now, 
You live your life how you want. You know how to parent and grandparent. You do with your money what you want. Blah, 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 blah. But do not bring that to the business environment. Your responsibility as an executive is to be 100% unemotional on these issues when it comes to the business environment. That's what we do. And so, please leave your opinions at home on what's happening to the human race. Let me remind you that Elvis shaking his hips was once considered a devil move. Understand this is all evolution. The robots will kill us in the end, hopefully not for us to see. But realize that the upside of this next decade, all this conversation I just had, I'm curious how this is going through your head because for me, everything out of my mouth for the last 20 minutes sets up offense. The problem is so many people are successful, have scale, and they see defense in what comes out of my mouth. You have leverage in the distribution or the business architecture you've created, so this disruption of that is not interesting because your leverage sits in distribution. The problem is all distribution of all kinds is now commoditized. And so what you need to do is what I try to do every day of my life. I will go into my office today and I will try to put myself out of business. I will go into my office today and try to put myself out of business. I will look at what we do and I will try to understand who can come along and kill us if I don't make the long-term investment. To make short-term P&L decisions for your own bonuses, the stock price, the board, or what have you in today's environment is business suicide because every company has to make long-term investments because the sea changes are so extraordinary. I run an agency. We're gonna do 114 million in revenue this year from zero six years ago. We're gonna make $1.4 million in profit. Triple checked yesterday, right? We made 1.4 million in profit the third year when we did six million. Why? Because I'm losing millions of dollars building capabilities around voice and machine learning and AI and messenger and everything else that I know in 36 months, the Pepsis and Coca-Colas and Budweiser's and Nikes of the world are gonna need to have a chance to succeed. It's not fun for my, the saddest human on earth is my CFO. He literally hates his life. I feel so bad for him. Because I want to give him autonomy and I respect his position and I let him do his thing and then you know he gets to the goal line and I send him all the way back because it's the only framework that has success in today's environment. The lack of risk and chances people are taking in here, even though they know they are right because of playing for the short term, oftentimes for your own human selfish reasons because of the timing of how long you will be in that position, is the fascinating thing to me in the business environment today. Short term stuff works in the past. Wall Street dynamics work, bonus structures work, it worked. It will not. And that is why the long-term players will continue to eat up attention and deploy anything they want. Amazon and Google and Apple and Facebook are not gonna stop at the things, I mean, I was, I, was, I was so stunned and disappointed by the collective surprise of Amazon buying Whole Foods. I was stunned. I, I, I'm just, 
shocked that so many smart people were like, whoa, whoa what? How do you think this plays out? Do you know Chase Bank's biggest competitor is? Amazon. Like, what, what do you think is happening here? This is the biggest cultural shift to the human race since the printing press, and it magnifies by 10x. Do you, do you understand the ramifications of the blockchain? You can talk about Bitcoin being 10,000 all day long. That is the pager to what the blockchain is. Blockchain decentralizes the human race. Blockchain, not Bitcoin, not Ethereum, blockchain is something that Russia, America, and China agree on and will stop because it's their biggest vulnerability. Everything in the middle is vulnerable. All of you are in the middle. And so now what? I think what happens is the following. I'm gonna throw you for a real loop here. I'm gonna close with this because I really want to go into Q&A and let me set up the Q&A. The reason I really want to do Q&A is I've made my statement. You're gonna have other talks. I, I kind of was listening to the agenda. I'm desperate for people to ask very basic 101 questions because my intent when I speak is to get one or two people to do something. I have no ambition to get five, 10, 20, 30% of this room to act on this thesis. It's just not practical in their short-term financial interest. But if I can get one, two, or three, so for those people that are curious, please get ready, simple questions. How does a B2B food service provider use Facebook to get an extra account? I don't care, wherever you wanna go. But before I go there, you know, I, I really wanna talk about the fact that The, the, the historical legacy stakes are very high of what I'm talking about. The compounded nature of the marketplace is very high of what I'm talking about. Here's what I mean by that. The scale that we now live in is so extreme. The ability to go from zero to a million to a hundred million is so quick because of how much attention is in these phones. The, you, you have to look at it most practical. This gentleman here with the nice yellow tie is working while this is happening. This is just, which I'm cool with, do your thing. Um, <laughs> But, I, but, but, but it's fun for me, right? Because you have to understand how incredible that is. That is not something we could all do 15 years ago. Like, there's just, I'm, I'm trying to really push through here, like, please, like, stop underestimating. Stop underestimating. You have sales staff? How many people here have sales staff? Raise your hands. Great. Let me talk to you what I think you should do. You should start an internal podcast that you program every week that is made for your sales team because the toolkits and the PDFs and the emails and the offsites and awarding one guy the good thing he did that we all want you to do a year award at the end is not doing what you need. But they are on the move. They are consuming content at scale in their car. They can listen to your podcast, which is internal, and all 1,600 of them can listen, and you can push propaganda down their throat 24-7 if you understand how to give them value in 60% of the content, entertainment, escapism, something that benefits them, so that you can subtly bring in yours in. I believe that the businesses in this room have to take a page out of something that has been done historically by companies like the Michelin Tire Company and Guinness Beers Company. I believe the people in this room that understand that they are now a media company first, comma, and then whatever comes out of your mouth or is on your business card, that you will have the framework of success for the next decade, let me explain. I believe that if you understand why the Michelin Tire Company, a hundred years ago, decided to start reviewing villas and hotels and restaurants throughout Europe because they wanted people to start driving 
and using up their cars and stopping at their stations and getting gas and more importantly changing tires, they started pumping propaganda, a guide, in the cities of London and Paris, which remarkably and coincidentally scored all the best foie gras and champagne lists 40 miles outside the city and forced people to go and see what this three-star chateau was and they used a media property to create the business behavior that they wanted. That the Guinness book came out because Guinness was losing market share in pubs but knew that people talked about trivia and fun facts in the pubs through their market research and created the Guinness Book of World Records because they would hope that you would talk about a 17-foot man and then the Guinness brand would be reinforced and it would come out of your mouth at the pub. These are two historically, unbelievably successful media executions. My belief is that if you actually understood in the same way that it is impossible for you to not have a CFO or a controller, it is impossible for you not to have a head of sales, I believe for most of your organizations in the next five to 10 years, it will be impossible for you not to have an editor-in-chief of your business. You are not at the mercy of the in-between media companies. You can go direct. You can start the most meaningful podcast. You can start the most meaningful podcast tomorrow for all the franchisee owners of every QSR company in America by giving them information that makes them run their business better and then use all of that attention to deploy what you want to accomplish in your business. You can, it's super far-fetched, it doesn't feel comfortable, but it didn't feel comfortable for the executives of the Nintendo company to switch from being a playing card company to a board game company to a video game company. The evolution that is needed in the strategies in this room when it comes to marketing and sales are extraordinary. They're extraordinary. And please do not rely on what got you here. It's exactly what is not going to allow you to get to the next stage. So that's where I'm at, that's what I'm thinking about. I wanna, I wanna put a couple more points on and where are the runners for the Q&A? Just got, got a couple, okay awesome. Just raise your hands in a second, just looking at the timing. I'll leave with this, and then we'll do some Q&A, we'll take it from there. And please think about your question. Um, much bigger, better companies than yours went out of business. It's history. And what is happening now to the infrastructure of our society is something we're gonna have to navigate. So please, check your audacity at the door. Nobody cares about your contracts or your history. It's your vulnerability. Thank you. sort of find our, our question. Awesome. Who's got a question? Do we have anybody? We, oh, we've got lots of hands. Yeah. All right, we'll start out over there. It's the greatest keynote ever given. <laughs> hey. Very interesting, thank you very What's much. What's your name? Uh, Roy Foster. Roy. Um, curious, with your mindset right now, where to take your marketing spin? Yes. How do you see that potentially shifting with uh, Rapilla net neutrality? Uh, that's a super great question. To, right, one thing, you could, you could say I can peacock with the best of them. I hate to answer stuff that I haven't fully quantified. I'm spending a ton of time of trying to play not only the short, look, guys like me and gals like me, there's a lot to be said like, screw you, the toll booth, this is terrible. I'm a funny, you know, it's so funny. Maybe I'm intense capitalism because I was born in communism, and right? I'm so fascinated by the counter move. Let's say it plays through. What next? Cool, so the ISPs are this, 
but why can't Facebook and Google and Apple arbitrage that out by deploying all, you know, great, everything gets overcharged, great. You have Verizon and they give you Yahoo blistering fast for free, but Google costs $50 a month. Something a lot of people here have not quantified their head around that is a very real statement. And I mean like this. Right, everybody's like, you know, in the headline readings and Matt Lauer this and this and that, like everybody's paying attention to so many things, you wake up and in 18 months you're paying $50 a month for the right to use Google. That's like, what the hell just happened, right? But here's what's funny about the game. What happens next is more interesting, right? As they start getting fat, the people that are getting commoditized by them and hurt have the ability to arbitrage them out. I'm sp- and, and by the way, it's so pumped, I'm so thrilled you brought up that question. That's my biggest fear here. There's a lot of people here who play in the ISP net neutrality environment in their business. They think they've got it locked up until their customer's out of business, until their customer's being squeezed so much by the innovators of Tesla or Facebook or Amazon that they have to start changing their business model and they don't want you to make profit anymore. It's not about is Walmart or McDonald's go out of business, is it that they're losing enough business that they don't want you to make a penny ever again. So what do I think? I think, uh, it, I think day trading attention is something I've become committed to, which is I think about it when it becomes the reality and I just do it immediately. I spend time trying to be thoughtful about these things. You can't predict a lot of things. I made a video nine months ago that said Instagram was in trouble because Snapchat was exploding. Facebook's much younger than people think. A week later, they copied everything of Snapchat and they're the disproportionate most important platform to market if you care about consumers 25 to 40 in North America. So I, I think it's potentially annoying, potentially dangerous, feels really not fun, but there's places that have it. You can look at what Portugal's market looks like, but I don't think they're ready to pay 11 bucks a month for Facebook being the speed it is now versus it being free but taking an hour. Do you know how mad everybody gets here when their internet is a hundredth of a second slower than what they're accustomed to? Right? I mean, so, I think it's a very interesting toll booth and uh, I'm excited to watch it play out. But, but I don't get crippled on what if. I'm more worried that everybody here is wasting money right now, tomorrow. Uh, and that's why when people talk about VR and AR or it's changing or it's coming, I'm like, no, no, no. What are you doing today? Where was your money? Like, do you know, you know what's fun is not being at the mercy of sales people and their commissions and structures and bonuses, brand. Have the leverage. Brand is the only leverage we have. Questions? Got a gentleman here. Let's well, go yeah. to that same table. Okay, same table. How are you? Good, thank you. What's your name? I'm Annie. Annie. I have a question. How do you trans? Can you hear me? Yes. I have, how do you translate taste, which is key to what we do, food and ag? How do you translate that on the internet or through virtual reality or whatever the, the format is? The historic translator of taste that over-indexes is called video. A human being articulates through a visual and words what they are experiencing and we consume it, right? Like none of this stuff is any different than anything happens. The same thing that Julia Childs did, that Emerald did, that many other things have been done is being done now by somebody on Instagram in a one minute video. I think everything is translated through three core things audio, video, and the written word. The end. How everybody consumes information here is different. The historical upside is in video. It's the biggest penetrator of our psyche. 
I would say video. But where and how much? You can make an $800,000 video that is a commercial on television on the Food Network that not a soul will watch, in my opinion. You can make a YouTube video in 2006 when nobody else was doing it and get a tremendous land grab. I think about attention like real estate. I want you to buy beachfront property in Malibu 63 years ago, right? Not overpriced you know, uh, real estate on the you know, meatpacking district in Manhattan. And, and I think that's what the majority of people do because it's tried and true without understanding how overpriced it is. We have another question over here. Over here, great. Who's got it? We can Let's go, go down center there. Okay. How are you? Very well. That Good. was uh, quite frightening. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nick uh, from Rabobank. Hey, uh, two things. One, why Facebook? Why not Instagram, whatever, uh, uh, Twitter? And also, you talk a lot about attention. Um, we keep hearing that the attention span of, of people is getting shorter and shorter. So how yeah. do you maintain that sure. attention? So when I talk about Facebook, you can hold the mic for a second. There might be a follow-up. Um, Facebook and Instagram owned by the same company. I, when I talk, it's a nuance of business talk. I do want to talk Instagram. Facebook because it's scale. So the highest conversion selling stuff that I know in the world is 60 to 80 year olds on Facebook. Not conventional wisdom, not the headlines you read, but as a practitioner, there's a lot of nuances to figuring out why it's been working for me. Number one, a 72 year old on Facebook goes through their Facebook stream like this. A 17 year old goes through that same stream like this. It's just attention arbitrage. Right? So Facebook because of its scale. Instagram's on its way, but Instagram plays 15 to let's say 45, 50 on the coasts. It plays 15 to 35 in the middle. Facebook is 25 because it's not winning under. The, the minute I got on Facebook, my daughter got off it. That's exactly right. It's classic cops and robbers, right? Like, you know, and, and now parents are getting on Instagram and they're looking elsewhere and Snapchat work because it disappeared. We've all been there, we've all locked our room, we all wanted a second phone line, we all understand that dynamic. That to me is like secondary fodder. I just want to know where the attention is. Facebook is so ridiculously underpriced, let me explain. You will pay $7 to get in front of 1,000 people, which 13 will actually see it because they'll go through it. But you're gonna pay $58 for that same thing in four years. That's all, I don't know what to say. If you've ever run a Google AdWords campaign, the word wine cost me five cents a click one day, it now costs me $14 a click. Marketplaces are supply and demand, which means there's vulnerabilities in them. Attention spans, there's a lot of conversations around this. First of all, it's old talk audacity. We love to say new people are not as good as us because we're getting older and closer to the end and it's our defense. Right, we love to talk about the millennials entitlement. 90% of the people I know that I grew up with in their 40s were lazy and entitled too. That's, that's just Americans though, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny, there's a lot of truth to that, right? But that's a hell of a lot better than Europeans who aren't even in the game. By the way, the Chinese are gonna kill everybody because that's the way you, by the way, you know what's crazy about China? They run their country the way we run our businesses. Our businesses are capitalistic with dictatorship. Like it's really funny to watch it all play out. Nonetheless, I'm not worried about attention spans because I like when things are all equal. It's back to net neutrality. As long as every other person I'm competing with is dealing with the same ramifications, then I'm cool. 
right? And I think that's the part that's making it so interesting. As the technologies advance, we get put into more of a playing field that's equal, which takes away a lot of the advantages we had historically, and that's the rub. Retail didn't need to go out of business, we just needed to do enough more retail on e-commerce to break their whole model because it lowered just enough the sales where the infrastructure cost of real estate and, and all the things in the real estate environment, right, fixtures and people, broke the model. So you don't need a lot to stress the system. Attention spans are tremendous if you give people something they want to watch. I see people watching 47-minute videos on Facebook and not watching six-second videos. The quality of the content is the differentiator, not the length. You wanna pass it behind you? How are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you. Some of the things that you said, absolutely eye-opening. Like what? So, for example, um, the concept (laughs) of... No, really, I'm I'm, I'm curious what hit you. the, the, The concept of Facebook advertising or using Facebook a B2B is like, right? To, to me, was brand new. I get it. I've always thought about it as, uh, you know, consumer-facing, have used sure. it in consumer-facing, but from a B2B standpoint, it was a little bit eye-opening for Makes me, me and, and, and hopefully and I have for... Some great, and I have some great news. It's for you and everybody else in the environment. Like, most companies literally think it's better to spend $47,000 on a print ad in a B2B magazine that nobody opens than spend 10000 to test how Facebook could work for them. Utter audacity, nothing else. So, again, eye-opening for me. And, and what, what, um, also, thank you for inviting us to ask very basic questions. So I'd actually appreciate if you could elaborate Please. a little bit more on the example you gave of does your CEO Let's know... Let's talk about your business. You know, Who are you trying to reach? So um, we're a food ingredient company. Okay. And so we have um, you know, manufacturers of food products um, for example, we have, uh, we're developing some very special ingredients. Um, you know, would probably love to be able to develop some sort of Intel inside type concept. Love that. We're, uh, I understand. You know, we're a, a middle market company, so our ability to spend massive dollars to do that as Intel can is not there. Yes. But the concept of finding strategies that can help us do that is fascinating. And, and they didn't have it either, right? Like, that, when you have the ingredient that every consumer-facing product is proud to put on their front of their package, they'll do it for you. Your problem is you need to actually build a brand. You need to make the, how many people are aware of what happened with the Dollar Shave Club? I assume a lot of you are, right? Raise your hands, I'm just trying to get context. So Dollar Shave Club made a video that went viral and sold their company for $1 billion in four years. There's nothing else really there. They did it. But by the way, so did Nike with Just Do It. And so did MasterCard for a 15 year period with Priceless. You make a video that we all get behind. Wendy's had a moment in the 80s. It was called Where's the Beef, right? It works. The fact that you could actually make a three minute, 13 second video of a mom and a daughter and they have a healthier life because of your product and the other part of the three minute video showed if they had not had your product, they wouldn't. And that just strikes a chord. Or the ice bucket challenge. The fact that you can spend $100,000 to make a video and another $50,000 to $100,000 to spend on ads against the potential demo to create the ground swelling to then drive back to give you the leverage with the consumer package good companies so that they come to you to put the ingredient in instead of you begging. Whoever asks gives up the leverage. 
I can't believe we live in a world where you have a chance for that $200,000 to have Procter & Gamble and Unilever and Coca-Cola actually reach out to you. That is mind-boggling. Now, I'm not here to sell fairy dust. 20 out of 21 of those efforts could lose. But four may be singles. Dollar Shave Club was a grand slam. Four of those videos may be singles. 20 may be strikeouts, and then you just wasted two million. I, 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 this is practical, but the fact that 10 of them can be doubles, singles, triples, and as we start getting smarter about the creative that actually gets people to watch, it's an incredible time to be in business. You know? It is absolutely frightening, like the gentleman said, but it's also unbelievably incredible. You just can't hold on to the romance of the strategies and leverage that you had or have or that you overpaid for just recently. It just doesn't work that way. That's why people go out of business. So what I would do, if you're trying to be Intel inside, you actually have to win consumer. So you have to make the emotional creative to get the millennial mom or, or the 50-year-old male or whoever your target demo is to actually start demanding or getting excited about this ingredient that will make them live. I'm, I'm super fascinated by cricket protein, for example, right? So I think I'm like bullish on cricket protein, right? There's just a lot there. It's just a very easy narrative for me to sell and everything you just heard. I just have to make people excited about eating crickets. But you know what's more difficult than that? Convincing people 40 years ago to pay for water because it was free. So that. And while it's $4 to get in front of 1,000 people and not 63, got it? That's why I'm excited. That's what this energy is. Because I'm so thrilled that 94% of this room is gonna wake up in six years, read an article, how the years of 2013 to 2018 were the best years to build on Facebook and all these big companies came out of it and I want them to remember this talk and be super pissed they didn't listen to me. <laughs> I mean it, historically correct, that's my currency. Thank you. You got it. Looks like we have another hand down. Yeah, right next to you. And let, right side, what up? Like, let's get going over there. Somebody's gotta step up for that side. Hi, uh, Ken Zuckerberg. Hey, Ken. Fascinating discussion. Thank you. Are we, since this room has yes. a lot of sort of businesses that are uh, traditional. Yes. Are we, at the end of the day, talking about disruption of distribution, the middleman? I mean, that, yes. that's a key message yes, that I are. hear. And I guess if you could explain when we have people that are manufacturing product, selling a traditional channel to a consumer, uh, obviously a lot of B2B. How do you help the CEOs and the senior managements embrace this in a way that they can then have the action rate at 95%, not 4% or 3%? That With the success of the creative? Yeah. You can't, which is what's so difficult, right? Creative is the variable of success, and it's very difficult. And I've been spending the last seven years in trying to close the gap. The way you can do it is by driving down the cost of the creative. If you have $500,000 to spend, and you only get one chance to try, you'll lose. And so what I've been doing is building over the last seven years the ability to give you 11 at-bats for that price at the same quality as one. So your thinking is 10 uh, standard deviations quicker than most of us. I mean, it's inspiring, it's terrific. Thank you. When you bring it back to... Reality. Reality. Yeah. Think about um, a chemicals company. Yep. Think about an ingredients company. How do you make that initial... Um, 
how do you how do you make that initial step? And I it's, well, it's it's very simple. It's a religious step, right? Or a functional step. To your point, it's what I've been fascinated by getting into bigger business environments, coming from entrepreneurship in Silicon Valley, uh, through radical things like firing the CEO, right? Or scaring them, or inspiring them. Like you can't play in the middle, or what really needs to happen, which is changing the way we incentivize them. Like, I can't blame you. I used to be so mad at these people. I'm like, you are such jerks. You just care about the stock price being good in three years, so when you leave, you buy a yacht, you piece of crap, right? That's what I thought. I still weirdly think that, but I'm way more empathetic that the structure of the whole game has put you in that position. But here's the really important part of the question. I have unbelievable empathy, but what I try to remind people on a one-to-one who've really gotten to know me or in this environment is there's, it's going to happen, it's happened, it's happening. So what I'm tr- why I'm so fascinated about marketing is because I know a lot of people here, if they spend any money on marketing, are putting it directly in the garbage. And so by taking it out of the garbage, and whether it's 100,000 or 3 million, spending that right starts giving people in here the confidence of, wait a minute, why did that work? and then you start building on it. We've gone from places where Ruby Tuesdays and Mondelez and like where it went from like being 1% of the way they did things to 40%, not because they liked me or I was charismatic or I'm clever, because of results. So, you know, you try every different angle. I've been in this B2B environment, 91% of my clients don't do the, the way that I want them to. Um, I'm trying to be historically correct, and more importantly, my entire thesis of why I'm buying, I'm building VaynerMedia to become a consumer packaged goods holding company. I want to build the next Procter & Gamble on the back of building the next WPP, and I went in because I thought 3G was going to be overcompensated and heralded in the last decade, which clearly they have, but you can only fire so many people. You have to build top-line revenue and brand. And so nobody's ever built the compliment. I am building the compliment for every Carlisle and Bain and Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman on earth. I'm in the process of it, which is why I can see this. I'm being very patient. I'm eating my own dog food that I'm trying to get you to, which is run a marathon, not a sprint, because you don't realize the sprint game is not even gonna be in, it's not gonna be in the Olympics anymore. Do you understand? That's the problem. And so how do you do it? You suffocate them, right? I mean it, you suffocate the decision maker. You, you, through sheer will, through frightening, through inspiring, through data, I don't know. But you have the actual conversation. Let's get that dude all the way over there. I mean, he oh, went, yeah. we went far right. Right side of the room. Love it. It's binary, right? You know, like, I can give you a million new ones. It's binary. They either decide to do it or not, but marketing is the most movable thing. I'll repeat it for everybody. My brother, I invested, I bought Mark's parents' shares in 2008 on a discount on a valuation that was 10 billion and I put every dollar I had in liquid into it. My financial advisor, my parents, my contemporaries, my mentors, they, they, they shit on me, right? Next, it went public 
All my friends, because I was an early investor and advocate, all my friends that were the top 100 employees there, 90% of them sold 90% of their holdings between 12, excuse me, 19 and $40 a share, depending on their timing, six month, you know. I've, I bought it in 2008, I haven't sold one share. I bought Twitter, back to your question, I never fully finished answering it, why not Twitter? I bought Twitter at the same time, $47,000 investment that was worth $16 million to me, and I sold 90% of my holding at $44, right, it's 20 now, because I just day trade attention. I'm not emotional. Like, the end. Like, you wanna make a lot of money? Put all your liquid into Facebook and Amazon that you can never touch. As long as Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg are alive and running it, you will win. <laughs> Guys, th th this hasn't started yet. That, you know, the, 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 the shrug is because it hasn't started. I, I love how people think disruption, like, Everything you see being disrupted right now, tier, th tier three auto. How does a car dealership survive in the 40 year macro when Tesla goes direct to consumer? Because the government and the laws are gonna protect you for how long? It's just naivete and short term thinking at scale. Uh, thanks, it's been eye opening. Uh, from you as well. Thank you. Um, you've talked a lot about uh, day trading attention between yes. B2B, B2C. Yes. Uh, but as a bank, we're, we're yes. also sort of a middleman to a certain extent. You're in deep shit too. So, <laughs> a apart from hosting you at our conference and being the keynote speaker, what can we do? I think you need to look things in the eye, right? You need to actually not say, you can't be in conferences like this and say, here, the, you know, in a more conservative environment and say, over the next 10 years, Amazon or Venmo or blockchain are, are disruptive or potentially disruptive. It's really no different. It's gonna be the same answer for everybody at that scale. Banks have to realize what their value prop is and how quickly it's being commoditized. And it's happening fast, right? So I think it's about creating new products and services I think it's about M&A activity and grossly overpaying for things that look like you're overpaying for them. I was on CNN the day after Facebook bought Instagram. They paid a billion dollars, Instagram was 551 days old, and Pierce Morgan goes, okay Gary Vee, what do you think? And I go, they stole it. I get out of the studio in Columbus Circle and 10,000 people on Twitter tell me I'm an idiot because they'd never heard of it and a billion dollars sure sounds like a lot of money. By the way, side note, I favored every one of them and Two years later on a trip to Turks and Caicos, I went back and replied to all of them and said, now what? <laughs> I think the biggest thing the biggest companies here can do is grossly overpay for the future, but they have to be right, right? Um, but that's what they need to do. You need to buy up other services if you believe what I believe. I could be wrong, I've been wrong before, but the core of what a bank does at its essence is being disrupted very quickly. You do not put blockchain back in the bag. It may not happen, Bitcoin could go to zero. That's irrelevant. You have an entire generation that understands the decentralization, the decentralization of us interacting with each other. When you understand that you are gonna close a house on Ethereum between me and you, and we will accept that, it goes into a totally different place. I think people are very naive. They don't understand how religion happened. That's what I think. Sir, yes. Yes, so I'm an almond processor. Oh, we I'm sorry, where's this coming from? Right here. Where? In the, 
Oh, hey, sir. Oh. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll, do the, we'll do you quickly as well, and I'll get out of here. I don't want to run too late. We're yes, an sir. almond processing company that export to 70 different countries. Do you expect Amazon to accept Bitcoin, and how will that affect the marketplace? I believe cryptocurrencies or crossed over the chasm. Um, I, expect the, I expect China, Russia, and America to have a whole lot of say on this issue, and I don't know how the citizens in our world will react to it. So I don't know. I th- I'd be, I don't, I, you know why I love what I do up here? I don't guess. Everything you've heard so far is fact. You just don't see it. That's me guessing. My intuition is Jeff Bezos wants to dominate at such a scale, he has such internal ambition for legacy that he'll go as hard and as fast as he can at disrupting everybody as long as the governments allow him to. But you know this by playing in 70 countries. European DNA versus US DNA versus China, you gotta, you know, you're gonna have fragmentation at scale. Just like you've seen from Google and Facebook, everybody create closed gardens, what do you think America's trying to do right now? And you're gonna see some reactions to that, and so we have to figure that out. Thank you. Thank you. Sir? It, you talked about the importance of brand. Yes. That we've seen you know, brands that were icons yes. that have tarnished, yes. and new brands come out of nowhere. What are the most important values in a brand that you look for or see? The biggest reason big brands get tarnished, AKA irrelevant, is because they take money and put it directly in the garbage, right? The reason the biggest brands are losing right now is because they think running television ads is worth their 70% of the allocation of their money, the end. This is historical. You want to really learn something if you're a nerd? Go look what happened in the late 40s and early 50s when we transitioned from a primary radio society to a primary television society. The biggest brands in the world died. Right? Because they went to the club with the guy that sold him radio. Misjudging where people are paying attention. You know, this keynote has content, right? Whether you like this or not, this was content. If nobody was in this hall right now, it would have been a bad use of my time. That's how brands lose. And there's another part. They become vulnerable to the person that's closest to the consumer. In 1982, the biggest supermarkets and superstores in this country basically got zero trade dollars from the biggest brands in the world. And Pillsbury and Kellogg's and everybody else was able to spend all their money on marketing. As Walmart and Albertsons and Publix got smarter and started making people pay for shelf space, support their internal ad networks and everything else, they started taking money out of the suppliers, right, and putting into their own pockets. And then it became a drug because it was great for short-term sales, and then they took that drug money and started creating private labels and commoditized the biggest brands out of the world, while then the biggest brands in the world still spent money on television because the biggest media companies in the world push television down their throat with bullshit metrics from Nielsen's and others because that's where the margin is for the biggest holding companies in the media world, leaving brands like Pillsbury Doughboy and Tony the Tiger left for dead. Got it? (laughs) Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.